This is Marky Mark Markellis from Soul Wizard Podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. Oh, come on, man. We're trying to educate our listeners. All right. You're giving – educate you, – do you, do you know who listens to us? <laughs> Dudes. Mm. All right. Here we go. Education my ass. Are we sticking to superhero stuff, or did you want to go like all comics? Uh, I stuck with superhero stuff. Cool. I'll stick with superhero stuff too. I just wanted to. (gasps) Manga was an option. No, it wasn't. That's why I asked. Damn it. All right, let's get this back on track. One Punch Man would have would have gone to the top directly. Stop talking, John. John, did you you punch a man? (laughs) Yes, I know exactly how this works. We say a bunch of stuff. And then you like you've already started the recording, and then you add that to the the you know to the recording that you send out because you know it's a bunch of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, usually to put me in a bad light, but yeah, which is fine. <laughs> Certainly isn't hard. Nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> all <right, we're> <laughs> Dave, do we lose Dave? I'm waiting for you guys to stop. <laughs> I'm done, dude. We're never gonna stop. Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotion. Can you yeah. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally <laughs> imagine that. You I'm know sure what somebody's they call written that one too. with cheese in France, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> what? Boyle with cheese, Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see. I, I would, I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw sacrifice that my my progeny to you, Almighty Marvel Beast. <laughs> <laughs> But Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, it's my time. <laughs> uh, how do you measure success? Hey, everyone! You're listening to Superhero Speak, and I'm your host, Dave. And another thing, I mean, and John. And JD. Ah, uh, the band's back together. Oh, my God. Oh. Just getting started is a headache. I mean, how are you guys? Uh, <laughs> How are you, John? We missed you last week. I'm good. I made it. I made it through visiting my sister, and um, you know, um, hang, hanging with my nephews and teaching them more Dungeons and Dragons and tactics, and uh, just uh, you know, still sheltering kind of with my sister in that case, and uh, you know, it's all good. Not much to report, which uh, works for me. Okay. Oh, and I saw the comet. Comet's awesome. Comet. There was a comet. There, there. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Is it still? There is a comet. It is brighter than Haley's comet, and I don't know if it's still out now. I think you know. I might not be able to see it from where we are. It was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't been paying attention to stuff like that. How about you, JD? How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Life is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm alright. No problems. Enjoying. Enjoying my new home, writing That's some it. more. Had some had some epiphanies with the writing thing that are really making things uh, more interesting. I've had to realign a little bit, but you know, busy but good. Mm. 
That's good. That's good. How many, how many boxes are you going to leave closed this time until the next time you move? The garage is full right now. We emptied out the storage locker last week, and my wife and I just decided not to move any boxes this weekend. What we did do is my dog keep eating. We built a little, like I told you guys before the show started, I built a little dog enclosure up the side of my house because we didn't want to fence this big yard. Mm-hmm. So we built a little dog enclosure. We, we made a space for them off deck, and uh, they're not getting a hint of that they should not poop on the deck. So this is this is a struggle. Oof. But when the dog has been down there, he's been eating these hosta plants, and they've been making him insanely sick. Oh, but no. he's a dumb dog. He's 14, and he doesn't know he's not supposed to. So we spent the weekend ripping them out of the ground and replacing them with sod. And it actually looks a lot better now that we got rid of all these ugly plants. So happy about that. Cool. You're already yeah. landscaping. How am I oh, we started. You? We started. Oh, no, that's my wife is a landscaping <laughs> machine. We moved in like almost day one. She was like, OK, we're going to do this. Take out that down do that. Like there will be landscaping projects until we move. Nice. But hopefully that's not anytime soon. Hopefully. Mm, moving sucks. It's, moving sucks. It's not, I mean, like, I've been doing it since the end of May, and I'm <laughs> tired of it. Ugh, yeah. How are you, Dave? How am yeah. I? Oh, jeez. Um, uh, life sucks, and then you die. Um, so- well, mazel tov to you, too. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm doing all right. I just, I came to, I came to an epiphany this week, is that I am definitely not ready to date. I don't have any desire to right now and what man is truly ready to date well I, I i i had said i had said a while ago that i had joined a couple dating sites just to kind of see what was out there and it was like you know all the the a couple women that i've talked to and i'm like right away I like, i'm always like you know i'm still not sure like i need to take things slow i just want to talk for a while to see where things can go and like they're like, no, no, we got to meet, you know, and like they get, it just seems like people within my age range, the women are get very aggressive <laughs> quickly. Like, no, I want to meet, I want to meet. And it's like, nah, I'm not ready for that. And then, you know, they lose interest to move on. So, well, that, that is kind of like uh, a good way to weed out like some, because I've had that same thing. And the ones that are like, yes, let's meet now. Well, when, well, how about an hour from now? It's like, you do know there's a pandemic pandemic going on right i don't even care about the pandemic my whole thing is like i'm just not like i want to get to know you before we you know oh before they know what you look like and what your license plate is yeah definitely (laughs) oh that's part of it definitely i just feel like when they're in such a hurry it's like you're you know because we're older you're in a hurry to like start a relationship now and it's like i'm not sure i'm ready for that so my biological clock isn't only ticking, it actually, like, self-destructed. Yes. <laughs> so, it yes. counted all the so, way down. So I've decided that I'm not going to, I'm just not going to do that right now. I'm going to concentrate on me and keep going to the gym. And, <laughs> and uh, eventually I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have my Chris Hemsworth body and then maybe I'll be ready. I'm good going and keep doing it, man. Yeah. So uh, that, that, that's my life. In a nutshell. Um, oh, yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So, speaking of nutshells. Um, <laughs> speaking of nuts. Let's let's do a little social media madness. Just a, just a couple things this week. Um, I kind of wanted to bring this one up because last year, and there hasn't been any news on this since it was announced last year, um, there was an announcement that they were going to be doing a remake of 
Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for Hulu. Uh, well, if they do it, if they do it as well as they did, um, was it Good Omens? Then yes. Okay, it's probably what you said last year when we talked about this. Mm-hmm. But we had someone reply to a tweet from last year. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> On this. That's why I brought it up. Um, emphasizing I, the madness in social media. I'll never understand how people respond to, like, even months-old tweets, let alone, like, year-old tweets. How do you even find them? You'd have to scroll, for, like, forever to get down that far. Or you're just looking for it on purpose. Mm, like, he was so, just Googling. He was just, like, Twitter searching Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. He's a stranger because Dave spelled it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Um, Hashtag facts. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's John... Panter, P-A-Y-N-T-E-R. Uh, he's at John Panter 1970. And he said, no, because it will be Disneyfied, Americanized, absolute bollocks. I hope this guy's British. I'm going to – Yanks did have a good track record for adapting British IPs. He's not wrong, by the way. Yeah. So I'm going to guess this is someone from, uh, from the jolly old UK. Well, Take an example. If you, if you really was, he would have said it would be pants, not bollocks. So – uh, take an example of an absolute abortion, which was Red Dwarf USA and Life on Mars USA, which is in every way a travesty. I never, I've oh. only seen the British version of Red Dwarf. I didn't know the yeah. American. No, I saw I saw the USA version, and um, yeah, I don't know how many years of therapy it took, but like they're just yeah, it you can't there there are some British uh, properties that just cannot be Americanified. It just does not translate because British humor is very, um, very clipped and very in your face. And it just American humor doesn't doesn't work very well with it. All right. Uh, and uh, apparently the link is wrong on the next one. No. <laughs> OK. Um, All righty. Uh, OK. So we had talked about I know what the link I know what the tweet says. Uh, we had talked about Hellstrom last week, of course. Uh, the, mm-hmm. The, the preview came out for it, and, uh, you know, we kind of said we were a little interested whatnot. And um, our good friend Tim Jones replied and said, I also heard it's called Son of Satan. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to watch it. It looks like hell. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, exactly. That, we that's had, a dad joke I've ever heard one. We had Tim on the Story Builder podcast a couple weeks ago. It'll be out in like a month. And uh, he's quite good with the dad jokes. <laughs> So that one was for you, Tim. Yes, yes. Um, oh, yeah. Some, some, some sour grapes. <laughs> and then finally, uh, we had talked about the rumor that uh, there's going to be a Batman Beyond movie that's going to feature two Jokers. Uh, we talked about how that could be possible. Maybe it starts off in the past with Batman and there's a Joker and then there's a new Joker in the future, whatever. Um we had a couple people uh, respond to that. Uh, of course, we had Town Wap, the one nerd with. So I guess that's a, uh, a another podcast. Said no need for two jokers. You need one good one, which yeah. I agree. Yeah. And uh, the Wednesday poll list said, man, I hope not. Give the Joker a little bit of a break. People act like that's Batman's only enemy. Blight is a solid villain for Terry. So. I brought it up because I knew you were back this week, John, and I knew you watched Batman Beyond. Um, if you were going to do a live-action Batman Beyond movie, what villain 
do you think they should use? Oh, live action Batman Beyond. Ink would be a, a, a top of the list. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and Blight. And the, the, the nice thing about Batman Beyond is you could also bring back, um, uh, Mr. Oh, shoot. Mr. Cold? Uh, damn it. Mr. Mr. Freeze. Freeze. Mr. Freeze, yeah. Oh my god. Because, because they, they no, no, the thing is that the, the storyline, um, for Mr. Freeze in Batman Beyond is so tragic and deep that it would make it a very, very good movie. One could say there's something about the Paul Dini, um, <clears throat> Mr. Freeze episode of Batman the Animated Series, which Akiva Goldsmith based loosely on when he did yes. his the version of Batman and Robin. And we all know how that went. Oh, yeah. Well, they, and, <laughs> yeah. And um, Bruce Timm's, um, you know, Adventures of Batman, they they did the whole arc with Mr. Freeze there and then Mr. Freeze in Batman Beyond. Um, oh, my God. And, and it was and there was a movie in between, too. And it was really uh, it the whole storyline. Just I think that that I think Bruce Timm and company were actually ones that re kind of reinvented and um, reinvigorated that that villain. Because they 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 made you care about him, so that would make a very good one. And Blight, to a lesser extent, yeah, I I think Ink and uh, and Mister Freeze would be top of my list. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm just laughing because I've been watching the pitch meetings on YouTube, like all of them, mm. and uh, I just watched I literally just today watched the one for Batman and Robin, and uh, you know the guy pitching the movie at one point goes. And then he's gonna pull out his back credit card, and then, yeah. and then the the producer guy like gives a weird look. And he's like, are, "Are you okay, sir?" And he's like, "My eyes just rolled themselves." <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, pitch meetings by Scrooge uh, every, Everybody should watch those. They're host, They're awesome. Like and subscribe them. Um, but yeah, they're they're. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, but that's that's my picks. I'd say Mister Freeze and Ink because their their storylines are more tragic. Um, and they would have, they, they could possibly have a beginning, middle, and end. Well, speaking of things you should subscribe to that are tragic, um, here's our good friend D Square to tell you how you can more social media madness. Damn. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of social media madness? Make sure you are following superherospeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at Superhero Speak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. Geek World All-Star Podcast Network include great programs such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. Well, thank you for that, Don. We really that appreciate a, you. What? That was a hard hit. That was a hard hit. I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything about Don. I was, that was about us. No, yeah, I'm also. sure. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and on that note, boys and girls, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right, there is not a lot of news. That's why we have a discussion topic uh, to talk about, but we have three three quick, four quick hits. Um, well, before that, I want to say something. JD? Yo. Are the new mutants coming out yet? Not yet. Damn it's it. coming. Uh, hey, man, everyone's it, caught up with me. There's more interest in this product now than at any point during this three years that this it's been a true. thing. And, and I just saw a promo for it again. That's why I asked. Yes. Yeah. Well, I obviously didn't listen to the show last week where we went on. I was going to say, we talked about it quite a bit last week. Oh. Maybe you should listen to our show once in a while. Um, nah. <laughs> I'm listening to it now, Dave. Speaking of uh, speaking of strange and weird things uh, and, and things that should, shouldn't be, um, did you guys see the trailer for the live-action Pinocchio? Oh, God. <laughs> no, I missed that part of the, the email. The, uh, the, the, the just nightmares, man. The, the stand stuff by. is nightmares. Um, okay, so while, 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 while JD's doing that, while, yeah. JD's, we while JD's damaging his <laughs> mind. Um, <laughs> it, it just JD, felt- JD, just, just you know... Uh, speak out while hey, you're hey, listening okay, to okay, it. Okay, okay, I'm gonna mute the, you guys for a minute so I can listen to this show. Okay, but just, just let let us hear your let us hear your reaction. You don't have to listen to us, but <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yes, you were saying. Yeah, it's, it felt like someone said, okay, let's take the the full story from the 1940s cartoon mm-hmm. and let's add a dash of realism and keep all the creepiest elements. <laughs> from the original movie. Yeah, and if they if they do it to the original movie, there were things in that original movie that they could not put in an animated show these days. That that they they wouldn't. And um yeah, and then you add that well Are you just, sure you're not just, confusing it with Dumbo? No. No, Pinocchio. Okay. No, did you like the donkey the donkey thing and I mean, there were a lot of there were some there were some dark undertones in that did, thing. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> the donkey thing's in. I know. That's what I'm saying. There are things that you couldn't put in. You you couldn't put in an anime movie, and yet they're doing this. I don't know. Did did like did they just finally find that highest level of coke that you can do at Disney? I, I don't understand. Well, this that. isn't this isn't a Disney movie. I think that's an important thing to point out. This is. Uh... And and it's funny because it just says 2022 in the trailer. There is no release date, um, which has me kind of concerned. Or 2020, not 2022. You're saying this is the new New Mutants? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's like, is it is it going to come out because no theaters are open? So is this going to be right on streaming? Is this going to be a Redbox thing? Is this? You, you, You know what we should have? They should do a. They should do a whole movie on Pinocchio from Shrek. So I just watched Pinocchio trailer. Yeah. This looks fantastic. <laughs> fantastic in a, oh my God, this is so bad it's good. No, I think it looks, I mean, like it looks weird. It looks very Tim Burton-y. Like it, it's totally uh-huh. right out of the, the, the book of Burton. Um, it seems to be following the, the original book and not just the Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. It looks nightmare inducing, and I think yes. I want to see it. It's very creepy. I don't know if I could ever let a small child see this movie. Oh, God, no. The kid's <laughs> yeah. not seeing this, but I think I'm going to. I don't even know if I would let my 18 year old. I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's. It- 
creepy. It's like, like I said to John a minute ago, um, someone said, let's take all the creepy elements and keep those in place and let's add a dash of realism. And it's like, That's it. let's take it a creepy elements. I'm Italian, so I can do that. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's it, this. Like I said, I was shocked to find out this wasn't a Tim Burton film. But uh, or, I don't know, man. the The book is pretty creepy. Or the the original stories, I should say, are pretty creepy. They're yeah. pretty dark. So uh, okay, I'm I'm good. Or or Guillermo del Toro. I was shocked it wasn't him either. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't. Like he doesn't. He's not involved in this at all. Like I'm not, I'm surprised he's not on as like a producer or something. So you sure you sure it's not one of his like um, product is. Was it Proteges or anything? Or? It, it might be, but his name isn't anywhere. I mean, it's an Italian guy. Well, Del Toro's Mexican, so yeah. no, I don't know, man. I mean, like, it's I'm shocked, but it's definitely somebody who studied Burton and Del Toro filmmaking. Like, oh, definitely. It's this Matteo Gironi. I'm not terribly familiar with his work. Perhaps I should fix that. Yeah, and it almost seems like in one scene in the trailer, like, you hear Pinocchio's voice, but his mouth doesn't move, and I'm like... Oh, I hope that's not a thing, because that, that's gonna just add super creepiness to it, so. It's gonna be fun. I'm gonna, it's, it's a purely, it's an Italian, like, literally an Italian film. Like, everyone involved in this is, like, Italy, like, straight out of Italy. Like, this, uh, this is intriguing, man. Alright, well, we, we'll keep our eyes open, and maybe we'll, we'll do a special episode where we review it, if it ever comes out. Um, speaking of things that we have talked about on the show, uh, Watchmen and Mandalorian have gotten great Emmy nods uh, this year. Uh, Watchmen 26 and Mandalorian 15. So Watchmen up, man. So that's this has led to people going, well, does this mean we'll, we'll get a season two of Watchmen since it's got six, 26 nominations? But it was like, a, as far as I understand, it was a complete um, enclosed story, right? It was. It like, was. So, <laughs> I mean, so, so was, was the Wa- Matrix, but <laughs> no, so was Watchmen, like the book. Like it picks yeah. up thirty years after the book in a world that you can go, yeah, I could buy that's the same world. Now, according to Lindelof, it's a no. He doesn't want to come back to it because none of the people he worked with are interested in coming back. But he said he he has his blessing if somebody else comes along with the right idea. Yeah. No, and I get it. I mean, I think that's a better way to be artistically, like. I told my story and I'm done. Yeah. And plus, like when you come up with such a great storyline, a a great idea, like, you know, to, to, to be, um, to, to be self introspective enough to understand that, yes, this was a great story. I cannot follow that up with crap, you know, so don't just like spew out anything for the next season. Like, Like most, most people don't realize that and they'll just keep on. You know, keep the fire hose running until the the crud comes out. HBO made that mistake or like a decade ago with True Detective. The first season of True Detective is damn near perfect storytelling. True Detective season two fell way short of that. Mm. Yeah. So I think I think HBO's kind of learned their lesson of well, we're better off with one awesome season than. Did they ever do a season three of True Detective? I don't even remember. <laughs> That's how bad season three was. Well, I'm saying I don't remember. If, like. I, but yeah. season two turned people off so much. I don't think if they did do a season three, no one remembers it. Hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. I never watched it. So True Detective season one's really good. Really like, good. Or it's like the final season of Game of Thrones. I'm in the minority on that. I really enjoyed that, but it seems like most people didn't. So. The last season sucked. 
But the last season was basically written by the people doing the series and, you know, had no book for it. So according um, to them, Martin gave him the end. So possible. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, sure. Is he ever even going to finish these books? Like, it's a great it's a great flex. Just like, ah, oh, you can finish my stories. Oh. Yeah, he's he's on the Robert Jordan um, track, you know, the the wheel of time. I don't know if you know who Robert Jordan is. I know of Robert Jordan. Never read Robert Jordan though. Yeah, he wrote like eight, nine hundred page books, and like you'd read ten pages that described a a, a drop of dew falling off of a leaf. Um, but the thing is that he died before he could finish it because like it was originally supposed to be a trilogy, then it became a quadrilogy, then it became you know eight books, and then he died. <laughs> and and now somebody else is ghostwriting for him. Yeah. Literally, ghostwriting takes on a new meaning when you're dead. Oh, mm, true. Uh, well, this speak, is true. Speaking of things that aren't dead. Okay, that didn't work. Um, I'm off tonight with the transition. Usually, usually you're the master of the segue. Um, so we had, uh, we did get a little bit of Disney news that uh, apparently this came out, uh, I think a week ago. We didn't talk about it last week. Um, they are going to be. Resuming production of Miss Marvel in November. Uh, that's when principal photography was going to start. They had, should be finished early, uh, next year. But in this announcement, they also said that Miss Marvel will pop up in other properties before her show comes on TV. Um, They really are going to work all of this, aren't they? This extended universe thing. That's what they do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what they're known for. Um, yep. So. I, it's interesting because this kind of plays into a rumor that we talked about last week where there are going to be multiple Avenger characters in the next Captain Marvel movie. And in the comics, Ms. Marvel is a Captain Marvel fangirl. She's kind of like what inspires her to become a hero. So is that canon or in the comics? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. Canon. so. That's led people to go, well, maybe Miss Marvel's going to be in Captain Marvel, too. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that's a good idea? Do you think they should just concentrate on, on Captain Marvel and, and not throw anyone else in? But I don't think Marvel could do that anymore. Yeah, I think Marvel's capable of not crossing things over. I really don't. But that being said, uh, why not? Sure. I mean, like, if if they have the story and she fits into the story, that's great. If they just do, like, a walk-on where she's like, ah, oh, yeah, Miss Marvel, yeah, da 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 and then walks away, you know, like like Joss was doing in Avengers 2, like, then I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see them making it a kind of a Miss Marvel origin story, have her in there as a, just a regular girl who's a fangirl and something happens towards the end of the movie that leads to her getting her powers. You know, and then that leads into the TV show. But, but the TV show is going to come up before Captain Marvel 2 movie, isn't it? I don't know, because they haven't announced who Miss Marvel is going to be, but they're filming in November. That's what I'm saying. Like, they have to have the and we don't have a Captain Marvel script, I don't think. And like film productions aren't up and going yet. So, I mean, like if she shows up in, in a Captain Marvel movie, she's going to be Miss Marvel. It's going to beat it to this. Like, TV production is such shorter time than film production. Yeah. I mean, the other thing would be she pops up in the Winter Soldier or um, the, what's the Vision, what's it called? Oh, the the Wanda 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 Vision. Or or, or do you think 
Do you think they'll she'll pop up in the movies too? Like the oh, is it the madness? Was it multiverse of madness? Impossible. They haven't made it yet though. Like kid, like this is all the TV shows are what they're actively working on. Right. Like WandaVision's done, I believe, or at least it's, it was in editing. Like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna work to have Miss Marvel show up before. You know? No, that's true. I mean, technically, Captain Marvel showed up before, right? No, Captain Marvel first shows up in her own movie. Well, uh, yeah, that's right, because she, 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 they recorded, they recorded her before she did. Yes. That. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, movie timeline versus real timeline. <laughs> right. We all got COVID. COVID brain. Forget that, what's yeah. going on. That, that, yeah, because <laughs> the after credit scene in uh, Infinity Wars, the beeper, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. she doesn't actually show up in that one. It's yeah. But but I think but she record she they 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 filmed her appearance in Endgame right. before she did that before she filmed the movie. Right. Right. They should have let the person who directed her in Endgame direct her in the movie. <laughs> she, they they she would have had a lot more personality. Also true. Speaking of directors, <laughs> did you guys share the news about Kevin Smith? I did listen to a show yesterday and just couldn't learn this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, apparently he's in a new phase of his life where he just wants to make cartoons. Uh, so he's teaming up with Wild Brain, uh, and he is going to be doing a Green Hornet animated series, which, I mean, that's not surprising. He's written quite a few Green Hornet stories uh, for the comics. And well, his com- the comics were adapted from his script for the, uh, the Never Made Miramax Green Hornet film. Yes, that is true. And then, uh, um, you know, he's also working on the He-Man Masters of the Universe cartoon. So, so I don't know. Do we like this idea? Do we do we want to see a Kevin Smith Green Hornet cartoon? And are we uh, are we scared? I don't know. Seth, Seth Rogen did Green Hornet, so it was bad. Let's forget it. Let's forget yes. Seth Rogen. I was going to say abomination. And are we scared that he's? Are we thinks? Are we scared he's going to cast a bunch of his friends again? <laughs> For for animation, that's not a problem. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, I guess uh, you can have Jay say a couple lines of a character, and it's not too bad. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I hated the Seth Rogen movie, but um, yeah, it was bad. I couldn't even make it through it. I, I just, I was looking for something fun to watch, and that did not fit the bill. <laughs> so yeah, we'll have to see. The jury's out on this one for me. Uh, wait till it gets a little closer. But according, we don't we also have a history of Kevin Smith announcing projects that never get made? Yes, that's that's true. I mean, like, uh, animation is different, though. You don't, like, announce things until, like, work is actually being done. You true. know? True. And, like, comics okay. and films are different. I, I, unlike New Mutants. It's done. <laughs> the work done. done. The thing, you're gonna be so mad when this movie's fucking awesome, and I'm gonna sit there and say, "I told you so for three years." I know, right? But it's how gonna many be edits has great. gone through already. Doesn't yeah. matter. All that matters is the one that you see. <laughs> Doesn't matter how many times. Unless Star Wars would not have worked without a good editor. Unless you're Zack Snyder. Um, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. There's exceptions <laughs> that create the rule. Fair no, I think this is uh, sorry. The four-year-old invaded the the office while you guys were talking. Yes. Um, I am excited by this. I think that we never really got to see what he was going to do with the Green Hornet film. 
Um, I'm, it can't be any worse than what Seth Rogen did. So, uh, I don't know, man. He seems to, his, his books are good. Like when he writes mainstream superhero stuff, he treats it with reverence and it's not full of like dick jokes. So, I mean, what can go wrong here? Yes. Don't ask that question. Other than, but it's the, other it's than the Green Batman, Hornet. Other than Batman mm. peeing his pants, but that's a whole other thing. That, that makes sense though. That's scientifically logical. I don't know if I would have put it in a book myself, but his Green Arrow run was really good. Yeah. His Daredevil stuff was great. You know, I think this could be really good as long as they treat Kato properly because Kato was the star. Yeah, true, true, true. That's. <laughs> I thought he was the sidekick. Um, what are you talking about? Hell no. no Kato's no. the star. It's the Kato show. Yeah. Uh, all right. He was what made that work, especially in the. To be fair, he was Bruce Lee. Yeah. This is true. Speaking of things that work and don't work, um, we've decided that. Uh, we need to talk about comic books more on this podcast because we're supposed to be nah. a comic book podcast. No, I, I agree with that. You know, uh, I think we had a good we had a good time talking about it last week. It came up in conversation and it was fun. Yes. So I think we need to uh, we we need to do that. So we've decided this week we're gonna we're gonna talk about what our favorite comics or most influential comics were to us um, growing up. I guess, or even, I mean, it could be something you read recently. I don't know. Uh, so I asked everyone to pick three and, uh, you know, just give a quick synopsis of the book and then why it's one of your favorites. And it doesn't have to be your top three. It could just be three ones that you picked. So since JD, this was your idea, you can go first. Huh. Um, I'm kind of going to go in reverse order here. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite, and I mentioned it before on the show, one of my favorite runs in comics when I first really started getting back into being a Wednesday warrior and stuff like that. When uh, Grant Morrison was writing Batman and um, I remember it was when my wife and I got married and I was delivering pizzas to make extra money on the side. And when we didn't have to deliver stuff, I would just go to Barnes and Noble and I would just read comics. And that's kind of what got me back into buying comics again. And it was right when Grant Morrison started writing Batman. And it really made me, because for a long time I didn't really like reading Batman comics because they all felt the same, you know, Batman's mad. There's some vigilante. You know, he's a vigilante. There's some problem. They all just, they, they fall into the same pattern. What I really liked about Grant Morrison was that he came in to Batman and took, instead of a, trying to make things as real as possible and as grounded as possible, Morrison said, no, everything happened. All these Batman stories, the entire mm-hmm. goofy Silver Age, it was a thing, but it was a hallucination Batman was doing. So, I mean, like, and it comes back in like the the story of the Batman from Zarn R, when uh he like I'll just start again like the first thing Grant Morrison does is great he brings us the character of Damian Wayne who never should have worked but it's been 15 years and Damian Wayne is a bigger part of comics than ever and he's trans he's transcended into real media now like right. film television there's Damian Wayne's for real he introduced the Black Glove which is uh which was pretty much the Court of Owls before the like, Scott Snyder ripped it off. You know, he brought in the the team of the, he brought back, I should say, the league of his uh, team of heroes with Knight and Squire and Chief Man of Bats, and he made it all make sense in Batman Incorporated. And one of my favorite Batman stories was Batman R.I.P. and what was done with it when Dick Grayson finally ascends to become Robin, when Damian really become I'm sorry, when Dick Grayson ascends and becomes Batman, and the story of Bruce Wayne bouncing through time 
and becoming multiple versions of himself. Oh, pirate like, bat. Pirate Batman was awesome. I like the, uh, the, um, the noir Batman where he's a noir, like a, like a hard boiled detective was a lot of fun. Morrison has this irreverent bonkers, British imagination. He's Scottish actually, but like, you know, you know, UK imagination that shouldn't have worked on Batman as well as it did. And I know it's incredibly polarizing, but I think at the end of it, when that three year run, he, three or four year run he had on Batman, it's, it's some stuff that really kind of changed the face of the character and the property for good. It's, it's some of my favorite comics ever. Cool. All right. John. <sighs> there was an assignment. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'll start with the Dark Knight Returns, but you know, written by Frank Miller, illustrated by Miller and Klaus Johnson. Um, and yeah, in 1986, came out in 1986. It was like one of the first, um, graphic novels or, you know, the, the series that I actually was cognizant of when it came out. And, um, my grandmother at the time was into buying me books and comic books and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of insane because, um, you know, I, here I am a kid and they're, it's like, oh, these are comics and I'm reading it. I'm like, this is a comic, <laughs> you know, uh, and it was, it was the first time I realized that comics weren't just like, you know, something to read and throw away and, um, and just, you know, just, uh, just skim, you know, like right. this, there was a lot of depth. There was a, a ton of depth to it. So yeah, that's, one of the first ones. Uh, the second one is All Star Superman. Oh, oh. it's not like a. Oh, whoa! What? Okay. Pop your brakes, dude. We're doing one at a time. One at a time. Oh. Okay. Oh. So so so. Fine. So, we... Okay. So let me, let me let... quiet. Shh. Yes, ma'am. All right. Now let me paint you a picture. All right. All right. Let's go back to Sicily. Sorry. Wrong show. Sibilance. Let's go back to the 1980s when I was a, a lad. Sorry, need a little take on me if you're gonna do that. So, so when I was, I want to say 13, 14, like, um, I would go to the first. I, I you know, it started with the spinner rack in the, I believe the the Wawa near my house. You know, we get a comic every once in a while, right? Because like, that's that's what it was. And it would just be like, oh, there's an interesting cover for a Captain America. There's an interesting cover for a Spider-Man or there's an interesting Batman cover. And I would just buy it. And I would go home and read it. And that was that. And then um, my brother got my brother, who's two years older than me, when he started working at 16, so I was 14, he would start taking me every once in a while to a comic book shop. Ooh, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, like they have all the comics here. In 1989, um, there was a series that came out. It was Captain America, uh, the Bloodstone Hunt. Oh, yeah. So it was, uh, hold on. I want to make sure I got the details here right. Uh, where's the, I don't have it. Oh, shoot. It doesn't say. Um, so the Bloodstone Hunt was a six part series. And basically the story is Baron Zemo wants to bring his, um, father back to life and he can use the bloodstones to do it right so captain america gets wind of this and he's hunting him down they're trying to get the stones before zemo to stop him from doing it right 
and it's uh, let's see, written by Mark Grunwald and art by Kieran Dywert. Dywert, D W Y E R, and L. Dwyer. Dwyer. Okay, yeah, and L. Milgram. Um, and like, I was actually like really interested in the story, and it was like the next month I was like, I got to go back and get part two. And the next month, it's like, I got to go back and get part three. It was the, fr- this was what got me into like, I've got to collect this book monthly so I can continue with the story because it was a six part story. And I wanted to see, you know, does he stop Baron Zemo? Does he get the stones before him? I mean, it's Captain America. Of course he did boys and girls. Let's be, let's be serious. Um, but yeah, so like, that's what influenced me. That's what got me to be like a regular collector of a series at that point so i could continue a story so yeah so it influenced me that way good stuff that's a good run mark mark runewald captain america stuff is legendary oh definitely good good work which kind of leads me into my second favorite run one of them um uh, when right around the same time I was really digging on Brubaker's, or I'm sorry, when uh, Morrison's Captain America, I just kind of give a spoiler what I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> it was announced, the whole Civil War thing was announced, and I thought it was pretty gimmicky. So I didn't buy into it at first until I heard that Captain America was going to die. And then I again thought, well, that's pretty damn gimmicky. So, uh, but I did get a chance to look at um, tr- the first trade for Captain America the Winter Soldier, which started Ed Brubaker's run on the book. And I remember, actually, I take that back. I know about that back when it first came out and didn't like it. I immediately poo-pooed the idea of bringing Bucky Barnes back to life. Because I'm like, this is, that is one that's like, Bucky and Uncle Ben are the Marvel characters that should always stay dead. And this is a terrible idea. And I remember down the hall at DC, <laughs> they were doing the, not the hush, the, um, the actual story where Jason Todd came back to life. Mm-hmm. The Red Hood thing. And in retrospect, the DC's version of bringing Jason Todd back paled in comparison to what Ed Brubaker gave to the Marvel universe. Bucky Barnes had not really played much of a role in since Stanley and Jack Kirby rebirthed the Marvel universe. You know, Bucky was dead. Bucky was going to stay dead. You kept Bucky dead. And there didn't seem to be a good reason not to. Ed Brubaker recreated him as the winter soldier, a character so successful. Not only has he appeared in movies, but he's going to have his own TV show coming up. And he created such a compelling character in the Winter Soldier and gave Cap something else to do. Because, I mean, like, the Bloodstone Hunt's a cool story, but it's like a typical superhero story. Right. Brubaker's Captain America felt more like an espionage thing, like a spy story with dudes that happened to wear costumes. Mm -hmm. It just had a different flavor to it. And the entire run is great. Like, I don't love... I don't love the the death of Captain America, but I did like the fallout where Bucky becomes the new Cap because you get a whole bunch of really good stories that come out of that and the relationship between Bucky and and Black Widow. It's really interesting, and I didn't love the return of Steve Rogers story. Um, I think he got a I think Brubaker got a little Morrisony with how he brought Steve Rogers back, and I don't think that's what he's at his best at. Like uh, Morrison, they were both really bonkers like, you know, metaphysical type resurrections, mm-hmm. the cap resurrection like worked better, but Brubaker came back and he made Steve Rogers a super soldier. And he kept, he kept the ball going with, with Bucky as cap because it worked so damn well and people weren't ready for it to be done yet. And it's a testament that it's been, 
Brubaker took over Captain America in 2004. It's 2020, and we're still feeling the impact of that story. And it's very rare that in the modern era, one run of comics can have that much impact on the entire direction of a character. Yeah. So I love I love that run. It's funny because uh, I'm glad I picked multiples. I didn't pick Civil War. I was going to put Civil War on um, it because that was the series that got me back into it. But it's also because of the fallout and the Brewbreaker run on uh, Captain America, which is, you know, well, I was going to mention that. But, uh, yeah, so I'm glad I have multiples. And I also was going to say The Dark Knight Returns. So, John, <laughs> what is your number two? My number three is um, – oh, wait. Sorry, number two, right? <clears throat> <laughs> so my number two is All-Star Superman. Uh, written by Grant Morrison, drawn by Frank Quitely, I believe, and mm-hmm. inked by Jimmy Grant. And this, this, like, um, Superman's really hard to write for, um, because, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the same old, same old, right? Like, you, you need, you need somebody to challenge him, and unless they're green and glowing, they're not challenging him very well. And so, like the writing usually goes off the tracks or there's some kind of duex machina or whatever. Uh, this story is about Superman dying and facing mortality. And the way they wrote this, the, the way Grant Morrison wrote this um, was just brilliant. And he wrote it from three different perspectives from, um, from Superman's perspective, from Lois's, and from Lex Luthor. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it was the end that really got me. Uh, and spoilers, right? Yeah, because whatever. Uh, I, you, you should buy it no matter what, because there's so much in, there's so much in this, like, even if I give you one spoiler, there's, there's so many others. But, like, towards the end, Luthor finally, um, grabs a, a formula that, that Superman had made to give somebody his powers for a day. And the way they handled Luthor um, gaining Superman's powers and the paradigm shift that occurred when he started to see the, the world the way Superman saw it and realized that everything was connected. I think I think like that is a perfect example of of the great weakness of true evil in our world is a person's inability to see things from other people's perspectives or to see that everything is connected. And Grant put this in a comic book and did it so well that you actually felt sorry for Luthor in the end. And, and he, he almost redeemed the character after all the evil he had done. So yeah. Um, that plus, you know, just handling the reactions of of everybody uh, of Lois and, um, you know how 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 she handled him dying and and I, I don't know. There's just there's so much, but so there, yeah. Everybody should read All Star Superman. It is it is probably I, I I think it's probably one of the if not one of then the best Superman story ever told. I agree with that. It's definitely the top three Superman story ever told. Morrison wrote that book incongruent with the cap, with the, uh, Batman run that right. I had talked about earlier. Mm. Also doing, uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory while helping out on 52. Like, 
this was like I think Grant Morrison's best run doing mainstream characters because he dug on he took on so much and was really at that time him and Jeff Johns were really defining what the DC universe was. And this is definitely like like mid to late aughts is definitely my favorite my favorite helping of Morrison stuff. Yeah, and he was on point. Like he was, he was. just he was throwing truth left and right and yeah. just breaking people's minds when they read his stuff. Was he was this that book in particular is an unapolog it's an unapologetically Silver Age Superman. Yes, like the one that everyone's afraid to talk about because like oh he juggles planets. Well, not only can he, he's doing it on the cover of one of the books. Mm-hmm. You know they just they embrace it. They embrace all the the beauty and bizarreness and like godliness that makes Superman. And, but still and, but, has that human touch to him. Yeah, and that's the thing. It wasn't the fact that he could juggle planets. Like, the storyline didn't right. revolve around that. It revolved around facing mortality and interpersonal re- interactions right. and, and and you know, the, the, the juxtaposition of good and evil. It was just, you know, like, yeah, he could be as powerful as you want at that point. It didn't matter because the storyline was driven by everything else <laughs> so humanity i think that's the biggest problem with superman is the character itself is fine but the people that write it and i think more or less the people that sell it focus on super and not enough on man yeah and and the the, the the nice thing in this is usually in a superman story lois is there to keep superman grounded but in this case when he gave the formula to lois what he was doing was making sure that when he passed away there was somebody there who would know what it had been like for him Somebody might have taken a little bit of inspiration from that in another recent television show, just, you know, for the record. <laughs> Watch the eggs. What? Watchmen. Oh, yeah, Watchmen. yeah, 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 yeah. The whole Dr. Manhattan, um, oh, God, I blanked on her name, Sister Midnight thing reminded me a lot of this version of Superman and Lois Lane, and that exactly what you talked about. It's exactly what I thought when I watched uh, the final episode of Watchmen. It reminded me a lot of that. Hmm. All right. Well, that's an interesting segue, uh, because, uh, my next book was written by Alan Moore, art by Dave Gibbons, and I can only be talking about one possible book. Uh, and of course, that's The Watchman. Um, silver platter, Dave. I gave it to you on a silver platter. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so, so first thing I want to say is like, it came out in 1986, right? The, the, the miniseries. Um, we've talked about this book ad nauseum on this podcast. Um, of course it was, uh, Alan Moore wanted to, it, it's a deconstruction of, of superheroes. Um, he wanted to, uh, use the Fawcett characters, I believe. Charlton. Charlton, the Charlton characters and, uh, as, uh, and, and DC bought them, but then he had to create his own characters for the, sh- for the book. Um, you know, long story short, of course, the, the book starts off with the murder of, uh, the comedian. Rorschach is investigating it. We find out, uh, Asmodeus is the, the mastermind behind it all, and he wants to create a disaster to bring mankind together. And, um, uh, you know, I wasn't, it's funny, cause like, I didn't read this book until I was in my twenties. Me know? too. Because as a kid, I wasn't ready to read something that deconstructed superheroes, even though everyone I knew read it and loved the book. I was like, nah, I'm just, it's just like, it's, I, I like Superman and Captain America. I'm not ready to look at the dark side of superheroes. And, uh, 
But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's deep. And I, and I honestly say to anyone who's never read it and maybe has only seen the movie, like, go out and read it and read the whole thing, not just the main story, because there's three levels to it. There's the letters, the, the main book, and then the comic within the comic, which is the, the pirate story. Um, and how they work and, and, Alan Moore said it. It only works as a comic, and he's right. Like, it does not work as a movie. So, but yes. Uh, it's so funny. About a month ago, um, when everyone was, when I, I think it was right when I finished the show, I praised it on Twitter saying, oh, it's so good. Um, I said it's worthy, I said it's worthy of the comic. I said it brought, it, it was similar but different enough. Like, they brought new life to a, to a great story. And someone actually, like a blue check mark guy, actually went on and said, how can you compare this good television service being written by Alan Moore? And I'm like, I had to stare at it for a minute. I'm like, is this guy being serious? Like, and he was. He's, he's like, this story, like, how can you do that? How can you compare this, these two? And I'm like, because they are kind of the same thing. Like, Alan Moore's story is really about the face of fascism in the 1980s and the rise of, of, of people becoming a little comfortable with fascism with you know security in exchange for some freedom and in 2020 it's interesting they took the race spin because that's been that's you know with black lives matter so that's been very topical and something that we need to turn our attention to so i said they both told a similar story with issues that were important in that era and i said more story doesn't work as a film so if all you've ever done is watch the movie you're not going to get it Right. Like movies not it's not bad, but it's also not that good. You know, and you miss so many levels by just like if you skip all the pirate stuff and don't read the book entries, you miss so much of the story. Right. And about and how things were, how they got to where they are, the rise of fascism and people accepting it. Yes, like you miss all of that. You don't understand and that gets thrown out cuz they do a couple quick flashbacks in the movie that don't really explain or make any sense really yeah like Zack Snyder's the worst I mean we, we dog on him a lot on this show <laughs> but he was just the wrong kind of director to bring that story to life like it looked great it looked great like the fights and stuff like that like it looked really cool but you missed all that subtext and just throwing Simon and Garfunkel into a into a montage doesn't doesn't right. cover the ground that was cut that you know Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons tread it just it would so it was so simplistic and, and in my mind missed the point. Well, that that's the thing. He, 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 he misses the point. All he does is give you the visuals that we crave, but none of the connecting tissue to make it actually work. Right. And like, it's like the people that say, Oh man, Rorschach's such an awesome character. What a badass!" It's like, Oh, did you, Oh, you missed the entire point of that entire exactly. that whole thing. Like it, it's, it astounds me. But I think that, that's the cool part about that show is it gave it gave such a great launching pad. Like they took such interesting turns in that show. They were all literally based on the comic. Which, They're all. Yeah, I'll argue that it could maybe work as a miniseries. Yes, um, I think it could. With the right. Yeah, I agree with that if HBO actually adapted Watchmen like and did did right by it, it could work. Right. But yeah, a two hour movie. No, it doesn't work. And Zach. If you're listening and you want to come on the show and defend your choices and that movie, you're, you're always welcome. Yeah, well, we'd be more than welcome to let you tell me I'm an idiot. So please boost our numbers. Um, um, do you, now, did you see the director's cut of the Watchmen movie where they actually do do the pirate? I, I can't remember the pirate book, but they actually do the animated pirate stuff and they edit it into the movie. 
No, I actually don't think I've ever watched that. Yeah, you think it'd be better, but it's really not. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I Because I, I know that, obviously, I saw it in the theater, and then I saw it, I think, once on DVD after it came out, and that was about it. I haven't really ever gone back to watch it again. So I'm sure it's on Netflix or something, right? Um, I don't know. Try to look into that. All right. Well, um, J- uh, JD, you're, uh, <laughs> you're number one. My favorite, my favorite comic book story. It's, um, I'm not a big fan of rereading something once I've read it. Like I can watch movies multiple times, but like with reading, I have a hard time. It's not cause I'm bored with it. It's just cause I just want to read more stuff. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the, if I reread something, that's time I'm losing and reading something else. That's just me. Crazy, crazy thing. This is a book I've read multiple times, probably seven or eight times. And for me, that's a lot. Um, because the story resonates so close to me. And, um, I stopped reading comics in the mid to late nineties. Cause they think, I think everyone pretty much agrees. They got very gimmicky, you know, with like your, your death of Superman's and your Spider-Man clone sagas and your Batman broken, you know, green lantern murders people. Like I guess it, it just, it got very not fun. And when this book came out, I missed it originally, but it was impossible to ignore the art because Alex Ross became such a, tr- you know, such a transcendent artist mm-hmm. that I didn't, when I started reading comics again and my, like I started reading comics, not the, not the weekly, you know, stuff, but I started reading comics again about 22, 23. And one of the first things I picked up was kingdom come. And the story spoke to me so closely because you don't really need to read weekly comics or even have a firm understanding of comics to appreciate the story. You just have to have a vague familiarity of who these characters are and what they represent. And 25 years after the fact, um, you miss a lot of the, uh, of the, of the social commentary because like comics today aren't like they were in the mid nineties. They aren't like ultra violent and, and life LD, which is kind of what they were poking fun at, mm-hmm. but it still works. It's still the story of Superman who turned his back on the world because he lost the only thing he loved and coming back to try to fix the world. And while doing it, he winds up becoming everything he ever hated. And like to have the story told to the perspective of a faithless preacher is just, it's brilliant film. It's too filmmaking. That's what I, I almost <laughs> played to film. It's, it's so good. It could be a film. It's such brilliant comic making between Alex Ross's photo realistic paintings and Mark Wade's brilliant words. I don't think Mark Wade ever wrote anything better than this. And I think he's a fantastic writer, but this was just, this is just everything. Like when people say, how hey, I want to read comics, what should, what should I read? I, I recommend kingdom come is the first thing I recommend to people because it is out of continuity. You know, um, it's an easy read. It's only four issues and it works perfect in the paper, trade paperback form. And my dog eared copy might get read tonight. Actually, because I'm that talking was, about so, it again, feeling so, good. So, that was on my short list too. So, so my my commentary to that is um, that that book. Uh, I actually read Marvels before that, um, which is what made me fall in love with Alex Ross. And though it is an awesome story, it did give us the uh, idea of Superman and Wonder Woman. That's true. Together, which I, I have never liked. I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Uh. It's an alternate universe story, so I'll make an exception for it. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was good there. It was not good in the recent DC 
animated stories where it made no absolute fucking sense at all. No, I agree, and it should it should have stayed in a um, in a four issue self contained trade paperback Elseworlds thing. Right. Yeah. All right. This don't work. No. Johnny Boy. Okay, number five. <sighs> yes. Are you drinking okay. again? Uh, yes, tea. One has to stop before one starts again. Oh. <laughs> Very good. So, yes, um, this, okay, so this next one is an Eisner, Harvey, and Schuster Award winner. Okay? Mm-hmm. And let's see if you can guess it. It was drawn by, it was written and drawn by Darwin Cook. Ringing any bells? Oh, talk- probably not. You're most. You're both Marvel guys. No, 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 no. I'm a DC guy. You're talking about uh, um, 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 New Frontier, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, New Frontier. Um, because because like the visuals are pretty stunning, and the storyline is one of like pure hope, and I I'm I'm drawn to that stuff because you know, um, my life hasn't been wonderful and. It's kind of nice to read a book where they're they're showing you the best of the heroes, right? And it it takes I mean it takes place between 1945 and 1960, and you know you're you're shown like the original Golden Age heroes like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, and then the coming of the next wave of heroes like Flash and Green Lantern and um, Martian Manhunter, you know, to name the mains, and um, and Darwin Cook, his his afterward is like almost the best part of everything in this. And he wrote, the world will always have dark corners and black and white comes in thousands of shades of gray. But there are seven people, the Justice League, good and true, come what may. They have the power to enslave the world, but work tirelessly to keep it free. I suppose only a child could buy into such a ridiculous premise. But once it's in your heart, you can't help but take that little scrap of magic forward with you. And that basically that's basically a description of the entire premise of it. I mean, it's it's um, one. It, I mean, there there are some fantastical parts of this, like the actual the center that the the um, all consuming beast that comes up from the ocean and all that. But and the dinosaurs. But the, the whole point of the book is um Based around a couple of the point, a couple of the main characters like Martian Manhunter, they follow Martian Manhunters, the uh, the Flash, and um, Green Lantern and Green Lantern, right? And they show they're basically showing you heroes becoming heroes and deciding to take that step forward to the light, no matter how hard it is and no matter what they have to go through, and and then inspiring like the heroes that have been beaten down by basically. Uh, McCarthyism at the time, which, you know, for you younger people, that was a time when um, we literally almost had secret police um, in the United States, almost akin to what we have today, except that everybody was being accused of being a communist and it, people's lives were ruined. And Fascism in the U.S., man. Yep. It's exactly what it was. And it, it you know, look it up. You should know that part of history. But um so it shows us coming out of that and moving towards a, a more hopeful time. And it, I mean, it kind of ends with um, JFK getting elected. Uh, so 
Yeah, uh, it's something I think everybody, again, another out of con, uh, continuity book or series, but uh, it's a six issue, but you probably get it as a graphic novel. And it's, it's, it's just, it's just a really nice read. You know, you can't help but keep turning the pages. It's it? fantastic. It's such a good book. I love the art, some of the art choices that Cook makes. Like when you first oh, meet Batman, yeah. it's the 39 Batman with the, yeah. the, the ears that kind of point out 45 degrees. But then as the story goes along, his his suit changes to where the end he looks more like the Dick Sprang Batman. Yep. You know, and then uh, Wonder Woman being bigger than Batman is such a cool – I'm sorry, Wonder Woman being bigger than Superman – it's such a cool visual choice that Cook makes that just shows you how powerful she is. It's such a great book. Yeah. I, and it starts with, like, you know, um, Superman going to find Wonder Woman in, was it uh, the Viet, uh, in Vietnam, where she basically let, uh, she, she freed a bunch of women who were being used as, like, slaves and bad things and let them murder their, their captors, which was not out of, it's yeah it's just the the choices they made for some of the characterizations are just you know you start from a very dark place and they move towards being real heroes and it's 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 a nice read and it uh you know you get into a dark place this would be something you want to keep uh keep next to your bed um did they not make an animated film of yes they did they did, they yes. did. Okay, because I've seen the movie. I don't think I've read the book. So the 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 animated uh, show is a bit different. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's 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 you know it still has that feeling to it. The book I think is is better, but the animated movie was like compared to other the the animated uh, movies, the, it was like one of the best. Okay. Cool. Um. All right. Well. My uh, my my choice to round this out. Um, so, so so JD, you 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 poo pooed on the the Clone Saga, so I got to change it now. No, no uh, poo poo the Clone. I actually <laughs> like the Clone Saga. I, I've grown to appreciate it as I've gotten it, it, older. It, it, but it, it, at thirteen, I didn't care for it. It wasn't it wasn't the Clone Saga. Oh okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I was jo- I was going to joke around and put it on the list. Um, you know, just to honor our uh, our good friend Tom DeFalco, but uh, no. Um, so, uh, if anyone asks me who my, my favorite character is, of course, I always say Spider-Man. Um, but in all honesty, I didn't read, when I was little and younger, I didn't read a lot of Spider-Man at first. Um, I did gravitate towards more, um, Captain America and Superman, you know? And then I read a Spider-Man, I, and I would get Spider-Man once in a while, but I read a story that it was a back issue and it really cemented to me who the character of Spider-Man was. Um, so it's, uh, Roger, I'm sorry. Yeah. Roger Stern and John Ramada Jr. 1982. Nothing can stop the juggernaut. Oh, okay. So anyone who's, who's familiar with the, the story, um, black Tom Cassidy hires the juggernaut to capture, uh, Madam Web, right? And she gets a, a vision of this and asks Spider-Man to help her. And he, Spider-Man tries to stop the Juggernaut over and over and over again. Oh, I've heard this one. Yeah. And he keeps failing at it. And then the Juggernaut actually gets to Madam Web, takes her out of her chair, which uh, people don't know that's like a life support for her. So 
she starts to die, and he's just like, ah, oh, she's useless, and drops her, and then, you know, goes off. And, f- you know, she gets to the hospital, she's okay, but um, Spider-Man finally stops him by the end of the book by getting him encased in a thing of cement. And the whole point was, like, it showed me, like, oh, he's a character that doesn't give up. He's given a task, and he keeps at it until he's successful, until he wins, or he dies. And, like, that's kind of what cemented me, like, oh, I like this character, and I kept, and then I started reading a lot more, and then, um, uh, uh, Tom McFarlane came along and, uh, started doing the art, and I really fell in love with the book at that point, but, uh, Oh, yeah, Toddy McSpidey. <laughs> well, you know, and the way he drew Mary Jane, but that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, like, and it's funny, because you said about you rereading, uh, um, what you call it, uh, Kingdom Come over and over again. I actually have the two amazing Spider-Man issues that it's in, but I have a, a collected book and it's just two issues. It's just a two part story. Uh, and they, and they called it the sensational Spider-Man. And I actually have probably read that like 40, 50 times, you know, cause it's also a quick read. It's only, you know, it's only two issues long, but yeah, I, I just love that story. So. It's a great one. JMS tried to ape it a little bit during his run when they did the first Morbius story. Like, but it wasn't, I don't know, it didn't hit me quite as good as, as that original Roger Stern one did. Yeah. And it's funny because I didn't even know, like, I didn't really know who Madam Web was until that story, you know? And then, of course, I've read a lot of other Spider-Man books that she's been in, and it's like, she's an interesting character. Um, they have yet to use her live action. I'm kind of curious if they're going to tap into her character at some point or not. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they do her in the uh, multiverse of madness. That would be where <laughs> you could introduce her, I think. So They could they could still introduce her in the um, into the Spider-Verse. I think that's probably more likely. Yeah. Because yeah. it kind of fits. I mean, you know, Madam Web and this, they got all the different Spider-Men. But, you know, you could, we could always see Tom Holland poke his head in with that. So... So, uh, you guys have any honorable mentions? Yeah, um, Brian Bendis and Mark Bagley's 100 plus issue run on Ultimate Spider-Man. That made my ultimate, that made my honorable mention. Okay, cool. John? Um, no, I mean, like, you guys covered most of the ones that I would have had in my honorable mentions. Um, you know, like, uh, was it, um, Kingdom Come was on my list too, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like the, the only other thing I could think of is maybe the run for Batman Beyond or, or Static Shock. Mm. Yeah, because uh, Static Shock was written so well that, of course, they have, for some reason, haven't brought him into the freaking movies yet or anything. Um, what if there's a rights thing with him being a, a milestone character as probably. opposed to a DC proper character? Probably. Uh, my honorable mention is, uh, Peter David and, uh, Jim Buckler. Their, his, their story in Spectacular Spider-Man, The Death of Gene DeWolf. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Which, you can't go wrong with, with him. Um, so if, if anyone's ever wants to pick it up, here's a small spoiler. It's where, it's the story where Spider-Man finds out Matt Murdock is Daredevil and Daredevil or Matt Murdock finds out Peter Parker's Spider-Man. So 
If you ever wondered, how do they know who they are? I forget. Was was uh, was that pre black suit or post black suit? Post it black suit. It's a yeah, okay. black suit story. Um, when did they find out the turtles are underneath the the city? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what, John? <laughs> you lost me on that one, brother. Yeah. They, the 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 same chemical that gave Daredevil his powers also oh, turned the turtles. Yeah, into... <laughs> that's right. Deep cuts. Yeah, but deep how, cuts. Come, how come the turtles seem to pop up in DC stuff? Well, Teen right. Titans Go. Like <laughs> those weren't the actual turtles. Those were so those were pseudo turtles. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So there you go. There was some comics talk on a comic book podcast. Finally, I think we should do more of this stuff, man. Like, maybe say, hey, read this or something like that and talk about it. Because, like, there's not a lot of stuff going on right now. No, there isn't. You know? So so I'm going to leave this out to the audience. Um, you know, I mean, especially people I know that are listening, like Randy and Joey from the uh, So Wizard and Cult 45 podcasts um, and Mark Ellis. Like, guys, if there's any books you want to hear us talk about, let us know and we'll... Uh, We'll make sure that uh, if we haven't read them, we'll read them and we'll review them on the show. That sounds fun. So uh, so on that note, do you guys have any recommendations for the audience? Yeah. I, this, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I needed a break this weekend. And I stumbled onto, John will be proud of me, uh, an anime show. <gasps> oh! Ooh, but it's sold on. How, how many syllables in the, in the title? <laughs> uh, several. Transformers, Fall of Cybertron. Oh, that's not anime, dude. Sorry. It's anime. It's it's animated for a guy like me that needs to that doesn't watch a whole lot of stuff. No, it's animation. <laughs> but go ahead. That's fine. I've heard I've heard good things about. It. I haven't seen it yet. It's so really really good. Like it's uh, it's the most adult Transformers cartoon show I've ever seen. But I say adult, I don't mean there's like adult situations. I mean like the <laughs> the. The story just tends – it's a little bit darker. It's a little bit bleaker. You get an Optimus Prime that's world-weary and not sure if he's doing the right thing. The Decepticons rule the, uh, the Cybertron, and the Autobots are trying to survive. There's quite a bit of death, and there's um, there's real stakes and real human emotions and situations between the characters. It was shockingly good. It's only six episodes, and it took me two nights to watch it. It was good. It was great. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Huh. Well, I'm adding that to my list. How about you, Johnny Boy? Okay, well... Well, actually, first off, I'd say, since we talked about it, um, if you, if you, if you want, like, rent or, or buy the, um, animations for All-Star Superman and, and the, um, New Frontier. They're, they're well worth a, a watch. Um, they're very, very good. Uh, and well, y- y- it was, it would have been really hard to go wrong with the material they were sourced from. Uh, but, uh, on the anime side, I'm going to, I'm going to give you another anime, um, uh, show to watch. It's, it's called, yes. No, it's called, no, this one's easy. It's called oh. The God of High School. I think I went to some, I think I went to high school. Some guys have talked yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, a South Korean, um, uh, Anime, well, it's a South Korean story, uh, uh, comic, and it was, uh, serialized in Webtoon, in the Webtoon platform. And Crunchyroll, uh, that is a service that lets you watch all animation, picked it up and they paid for the, the actual anime for it. 
and it is some of the best animation around and the the fights in it are simply amazing the physics of the fights and the, how well the fights were choreographed um are just brilliant and it's only five episodes out so far there it's going to be another episode out uh, each week for a while now and uh it's one of it's i think it's only the second collaboration and the second animation that's been done from uh, uh the webtoon platform which like uh historically has been poo-pooed by the anime the anime community and now it's showing just how strong some of the storylines are that that could be adapted so that's it okay cool well i will recommend that uh people go over to superheroespeak.com where they can find the podcast every week and there is a new review up uh by our good friend d square um it is uh hold on i don't even remember what book it was um, it is Quantum and Woody number four. He's actually really oh. enjoying the series. Um, I have not checked it out yet, uh, which is sad because um, he gets all the books to review from me. <laughs> so that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, I'm th- it's like he's he's loving it. He's given them all eight to nine so far. So it it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, at least see what he has to say about it on the website. And, um, yeah, I haven't been doing much. I'm going to recommend, uh, people go check out, uh, the, the, um, the movie pitch, uh, uh, series on Screen Rant on YouTube. Um, it's, uh, Ryan George is the, the comedian who does them. Um, he's hilarious. He actually has his own channel too. And he does like, uh, the first guy to kidnap someone or the first guy to, uh, go to jail or the first, like, and it's just the first guy to own a cat is one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous, you know? Um, like the, like the first guy to kidnap someone, like he's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to keep him in a little room until you give me some money. And they're like, well, why don't we just come and get you and put you in a little room? And they're like, well, isn't that just taking my idea? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been watching and I, and, and, and they're funny. So I recommend it. Um, so yeah, there you go. On that note, boys and girls, uh, thanks for listening, and don't let your cake be caught in the door. Have a good week.